0: Hey there, this is Lewis Johnson taking my love of sports into the world of esports. So I'm breaking down what's happening in the esports industry, talking with great guests, influencers, and tracking their personal and professional journeys to see how all of that has influenced where they are now. And in the end, I hope you're inspired. And so with that, welcome to All In with Esports. Well, I am so glad to have you back again on another edition of All In With Esports. If you're new to this uh, show, we are excited about uh, esports on all levels, building a tremendous platform on the MAP Esports Network and we have a phrase, if, it ma- if it's about esports, it matters to us. And we mean that across so many areas. Esportsfuturide.com is the website, of course, on Twitter, twitter.com. I love interacting with you all on Twitter when the new shows post. You guys make some great comments. I do appreciate hearing those from you. And if you ever have a question or what have you, hit me up right there on Twitter. You'll find me at lewisjohnsonmg or, of course, on the twitter.com forward slash forward slash Esports map, and then on Facebook, and then all of our podcasts are available on Esports FPN. If you're a pilot, what would that be? Esports Frank Papa November.com. All right, everybody's got that covered. So let me ask you something Are there any veterans? Are you a veteran listening to this show, or do you know someone who's a veteran in your family, associated to them, or what have you? Well, this show is for you. This is something that I think you're going to be shocked. Uh, at just what's happening in certain areas here that I'm going to talk about and introduce my guest, who is doing some amazing things. And so, I hope that you will listen to this and and find a way to understand what our veterans have been going through for many years, and then the solution that this guest of mine has. Listen, we just cannot ever say thank you enough to our men and women in the military. And I mean that sincerely. I have to tell you, I did not serve, but I've had many, many conversations over the years with my father who was drafted by the Army to serve in for two years in in Vietnam. We've talked about it so many times over the years. He said he remembers being two weeks from graduation at Prairie View A&M when he got the draft notice, all right? Two weeks away from walking across the stage, draft notice. So he goes to basic, two years of service in Vietnam. And then he came home and he was awarded the Bronze Star. He was working in military intelligence. The stories that I remember are just unbelievable. He met many, many challenges. I mean, many obstacles after his return To the country that he defended all right and despite all of those roadblocks he faced my dad and and so many veterans look he just found a way he found a way to make it to found a way he was really kind of the guy who was just accepting uh opportunities as they came and to his surprise he he got an offer to attend law school texas southern university and he ultimately became the president of balsa b-a-l-s-a the black american law students association And he was a member of a team of students who made that university redirect funding to build a much-needed law library on campus. They were about to spend the money on something else that really wasn't uh, necessary. They were operating a law library out of a second story, a second floor office. And it just said it was ridiculous. So the University of Texas did not have black students on its campus at that time. So Texas Southern University was deemed the place where African-American students could go. That's where law students were, were matriculating. And that's where he went. And they got the folks there to redirect that money and build a law library. So if you're a TSU, and uh, you've enjoyed the uh, law library there over the years. I'm, I'm so proud to say that my dad has something to do with that. He later went on to a nearly 40-year career as an attorney for the National Labor Relations Board. He's retired from that and soon retiring from serving, I guess, somewhere around 30 years on the board of CENFED uh, Federal Credit Union. And he's been the chairman uh, there for about half of that time, leading the way to help build that credit union, help to build a brand new building. Just so proud. And my pops is just such a positive man, Leroy Glenn Miller. And I'm proud of myself for not breaking up by just saying his name because I admire him so much. My point is, is that there are so many veterans doing great things in this country, but there are many who need our help. They need help. And in today's episode, I'm going to welcome a veteran who is an entrepreneur and he has coupled his military service with a love for technology. And that is coming to bear in several forms. He is doing some very cool things in the gaming world to help identify talent in the world of cybersecurity. Why? Because there are thousands, thousands, I was shocked to hear this, thousands of unfilled cybersecurity jobs in this country. The current phase of his journey was born from his service to our nation in the United States Air Force, completing uh, multiple tours in both Operation Iraqi Freedom and Operation Afghani Freedom. And he states that he has a passion for all things startups. He's a startup guy, loves that. And he believes in self-improvement and also a strong passion for youth helping the veterans and his efforts in a new gaming and his efforts are going to uh, come to fruition in a new game that he's going to develop and a podcast will be having on this platform, which can't we can't wait for that. And he'll keep those missions front and center. He says he enjoys new technology, promoting veteran entrepreneurship and creating new products and solutions. And from his military experience, he says this phrase, one team, one fight. I love that. And that being in conflict and life-changing scenarios gives you so much perspective. And this one is so true. From Wi-Fi to life, we take so much for granted. And that is so true. And for those of us who have not served, who have not been in these theaters, who have not dealt with this, we take so much for granted. And it has been people like him and others who have defended our freedoms and the the chance for us to have the lifestyle that we have. So my guest is really marrying these discoveries uh, to the will and mission to become an entrepreneur. And it's just a real pleasure to welcome the chairman and founder of Cyber Warrior Network, Nigel LeBlanc to All In With Esports. Nigel, welcome, how are you?
1: I am well, Louis, oh my God. Thank you so much for a humbling intro and such an inspirational a bit about your dad right there. That was truly really inspirational. You. I appreciate it. I am excited to be here with you.
0: Yeah, man, I'm happy to have you here. And and, and my dad is just one of the many stories. You're a story as well as a veteran. And, and again, we just can't thank you enough. Listen, Cyber Warrior Network, we're going to talk about it in just a few minutes, right? And, and just for those who don't know, it's the first cloud-based SAAS cyber recruitment, talent manager, and cyber business solution platform that connects businesses with the best cleared cyber talent and cyber software solutions to combat evolving cyber threats. We're going to talk about that in a little bit, Nigel, but in general, what are some of the, let's say the overarching and maybe bigger picture lessons that you took from your service in the air force in and out of combat zones with your brothers and sisters. And I I remember you telling me when we spoke uh, before about a couple of books that you read that really had a profound effect on you while you were serving.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I was in Afghanistan, one of my deployments, and a friend of mine. This is how my entrepreneurial journey kind of started, right? So he came and he handed me "Rich Dad Poor Dad" by Robert Kiyosaki. I could not put that book down, and then <laughs> the, the other two books um, he gave me was "Think and Grow Rich" and then "The Richest Man in Babylon," mm. and those were instrumental in my entrepreneurship journey. And you know, part of my my service, that's when I made the decision to transition from active duty to the reserves. And that was a pretty tough decision for me because I absolutely love and still do love being in the military. The camaraderie is like no other, and the sense of mission is also like no other, right? You know, you, you think about we are not only charged by our leaders and our mentors. Um, and trusted by our teammates to, you know, really handle, you know, as a 19 year old, you're, you're responsible for, you know, assets and equipment, millions of dollars, right? So that level of responsibility, and then you go out in combat and, you know, literally your life is in somebody else's hands and vice versa, you know? So, you know, it gives you a deep sense of commitment, mission and drive. And I absolutely loved it. So transitioning um, into entrepreneurship, although it was, you know, something I always wanted to do, it was still a difficult decision for me to do that. Yeah, it's just amazing. It's an amazing journey.
0: And and I was just so surprised to hear that, you know, while you're in, in the theater, when you're, you know, actively deployed, you know, obviously you have some time to do some things, but those books in that moment were things that really sparked this new journey from you. The other thing I think that people will be amazed to hear is that, you know, you did serve... And and you still continue to serve in the United States Air Force. But you didn't grow up here in the United States. So tell our listeners about
1: you in your Um, early years as an island boy in the Caribbean. Yeah, yeah. So I'm from Dominica, not to be confused, uh, the Dominican Republic. And it's funny, whenever I get on on a call with my, or, or, or I'm around my family, you know, people just look, they, you know, they kind of cock their head and like, what, what did you just say there? You know? <laughs> so in, in 1999, when I was 19 years old, I came up to the U.S. by way of Los Angeles, where my dad lived at the time. And my mission was to go to, go to college, you know? And it was just way too expensive being considered a non-resident at that point. So my dad said, hey, man, have you ever thought about the military? He's like, no, there's no way I'm going to military. But, you know, one of the life defining moments for me, I'm so happy I did it. And, and that's how I end up joining the military. So it, it's it's just one of those things that, you know, one of my biggest models, Lewis, is don't live for regrets. And that's a decision that I was very happy that I made. Mm, yeah, that is pretty
0: cool. So my, I have to step back in the story here a little bit because. I was so surprised when you told me that you grew up in Dominica, again, not the Dominican Republic, which for those of you who might want to kind of visualize the map, it looks like it's about a two and a half, three hour flight from Miami, deep in the Caribbean.
1: And do you say Caribbean or Caribbean? Which one do you say? So Caribbean, we say Caribbean. Okay, okay. Little little story on that, right? So Uh the, the Caribbean, those were named, there were two indigenous tribes in that region of the world. One was called the Caribs and the other one was called the Arawaks, right? Right. So the Arabs were very warlike. You know, they, so they, they, you know, they were the resistors for back in slavery. Right. And the Arawaks, unfortunately they died out. Well, in Dominica, there's, and think of the, the Caribs as your kind of indigenous Indians uh, or, or indigenous Americans. Right. Mm-hmm. So in Dominica, we have the own, the, the last descendants of the Caribs. And there are also a small sect of them in St. Lucia as well. So we have a lot of history and heritage, you know, right there within our tiny island. And there's also, you know, uh, a specific territory for them as well. So that's why we say Caribbean, because we call them Caribs. You have just fixed that in my mind forever. And
0: I've spent some time in the islands uh, down helping some guys, uh, some tremendous organization in south of that in Grenada with an international track and field meet where the great Karani James is from, the Spice Island. But, you know, it's a big global map, right? But it's a small world. And we're looking at that map of the Caribbean and Dominica, and just next door is the island of Guadeloupe. And you and I have a connection there. I was shocked when we started to talk about this. I mentioned to you that uh, my wife's family is from Paris, of course, but her father, his people came from Guadeloupe, which is a French department. We would call that Department Outremer, which means it's a department over the seas. Her father's people came from there and then on to Paris, where they bat- began their family. And we took our kids back there when they were little with some other families and had this incredible experience at Pointe-à-Pitre, which is where you land. Ah, uh, and and Terre, like these two big areas with uh, the the La Chutes, which is like waterfalls and all this incredible stuff. The food, the drink. What about
1: you? What was your experience uh, as a kid going over to Guadalupe? And, and this this connection is just crazy. Oh man, it, it was so. My my uncle, have one of my uncles and one of my aunts lived in there, right? In, mm-hmm. in and one was actually lived in Bastir, and the other one lived in Pointe à So I know those areas very well. And it's like every summer I would go out there, man. You know, and you know the. Guadeloupe is a much bigger island than Dominica, right? Mm-hmm. In terms of size. So one of the reasons I loved going there, and we'd do that, was for the shopping because we, <laughs> you know, we didn't have <laughs> we didn't have you know malls or anything like that. So really, no malls, no no, no big stores. No, no big stores when you know when I was growing up, right? You got to remember yeah. that you know the island is about 14 miles wide and about 29 miles long, so it's it's wow. not that big of an island, and and you know it's considered the nature island of the Caribbean, so it's somewhat untouched. Right. Okay. In terms of, you know, your, your, your big kind of development. So loved going to, to go on loop, man, because that's where we would get, you know, the, the latest games. They would always come there, you know, the video games, that type of stuff. And just had, oh. had a great time, you know, with my family out there. That is very cool. Talking with Nigel LeBlanc, the founder and CEO of Cyber
0: Warrior Network. We sound like we're on this global journey up through the Caribbean and talking about food and everything else. But we're going to get back to this in just a second. So w- did you make your early connection to games and gaming or esports or what have you when you were on the island growing up? You mentioned going over to Guadalupe to get games. Is that what you're talking about?
1: yeah so in in Guadeloupe, they would have everything before we got it in Dominica right obviously see the, the connection to France right right know, Dominica being an independent island we would kind of get um things a little a little bit slower a little bit later but so what what happened was I think it was probably my second summer or no, it was my first summer that I went to Guadeloupe. I seen dragon Ball Z <laughs> um the show right, and then they had a game right. Right. and my cousin he had a nintendo you know we wore that so that's when the first time i played mario so that's where i i actually started my whole gaming experience was in guadalupe mm-hmm. and going out there and hanging out with my family
0: wow that's incredible so that's where the early gaming experiences started on the islands in the caribbean Absolutely. and uh, so you moved to los angeles at age 19 and uh, you began to the, to this journey, and you talked about you know being a non-resident education, college education, going to be too experienced. Your dad talked to you about the military. You joined with the Air Force, and then began your journey there. And then, of course, while you were there, you began to discover your interest and love for and passion for entrepreneurship. So give us a sense early on. You, you had several startups before you got to
1: Cyber Warrior Network. So what was the journey like with some of those early startups, and what did you learn? Well, so my my first startup, you know, I, I tried to, and this was, you know, Facebook had probably been, been out maybe four or five years. So, you know, social media networks was hot, right? So I tried mm-hmm. to create this social media network and, you know, really under the model of of build it, they will come, right? Horrible business, business, yeah. <laughs> business approach, by the way, right? Very okay. expensive. So at that time I was working as a contractor and I was back in Iraq. So I was making decent money. So I, 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 funded my startup, but that, that ended up being a very, very expensive ordeal. And, you know, when I got back and I started, you know, actually, when I say, when I got back to the U S and I started engaging with real customers and and that type of stuff, you know, quickly realized that, Hey, this wasn't going to be something that, you know, we could keep going very much longer. The next one was, you know, being a military member, every time they, they relocated us, you know, you'd have to go back and find a a barbershop, right. Or, or a hair salon. Oh Yeah. I tried to create social recommendation network for barbers and hairstylists. And actually that got some some traction. It, it was just me and my co-founder, technical co-founder, and I was able to be selected for this VA entrepreneurship boot camp, where I essentially I left my home from Alabama and I went to Milwaukee. I actually drove and I stayed there for three months. In order to do this, and they're called accelerators, right? So think of it like you know the boot camp before you go pitch to the investors for Shark Tank, right? Mm-hmm. Right. So so I did that, and then we just couldn't raise raise funding, right? Just couldn't raise funding. So that was um, the second startup that I tried to kind of launch and failed there. And now we're on Cyber Warrior Network, and and that kind of stemmed from my work as the veteran cyber program manager for the state of Maryland. Wow. So it was those bumps
0: in the road, those experiences, the lessons, the the boot camp, all that. The boot camp in the classroom and the boot camp of life, the actual uh, actually doing it, that set you up. But to begin this third startup, Cyber Warrior Network, which I believe was back in 2015, the first Cyber Esports League, understanding that veterans needed help, not enough being hired. So explain how you set up an algorithm. To gauge veterans' experiences to cybersecurity experts, how did you set that all up, and 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 what was the beginning steps of that? What, what did you identify, and how did you want to fix it?
1: <clears throat> so, I think it's it's important for for your listeners to understand what kind of happened. So, I'll go back just a little bit and talk about my time when I was the cyber veteran program manager for the state of Maryland. So, part of my job there was to help. Vets and uh, uh, vet help vets launch businesses and careers within cybersecurity. And you know, I probably sent about 40 or 60 resumes to all of our large you know partners and Lewis man, like only one or two got hired and maybe a handful got interviewed. Hmm. So, you know, you know, I'm the guy. If something is broken, let's try to fix it, right? So, like I said, you know, what's going on here? You know, you guys are, you know, talking to the employers and saying, you guys are reaching out and saying, where's all these great vets to keep hearing about with cybersecurity experience and clearances? And I sent you a whole bunch of them, you know, hiring them. Well, what happened was there there is a cultural and also kind of linguistic disconnect when you talk about military members versus civilians. Right. And then, you know, to make matters worse, you're telling people who are literally sworn to secrecy with top secret clearances to go out and create a narrative about their experience while being, you know, a cybersecurity professional in the military. So we decided, well, hey, you know what, we'll start off by creating an algorithm that will just, you know, really validate the hands-on keyboard experience of military members. And that's how we started. And then just kind of, you know, through throughout the startup process, there's there's something called customer discovery. And then, you know, you have to iterate based on essentially the feedback that you're getting, right? Yeah. So <clears throat> what we kept hearing from employers as well is like, hey, this is awesome that you did this for military members. We definitely see the value, but we wish you could do it for civilians as well. So there, that's when we decided, hey, you know what? We know that we're not a headhunting company. We know that we're not another job board. So how do we go out and really create a trusted pipeline of cybersecurity individuals? And for, for, for those of you who don't know, as of 2021, there is th- 3.5 million unfilled cybersecurity jobs worldwide, and estimated cost of cybercrime in this year, 2021, will be six billion dollars. Okay, we have to we have to state that again. 3.5 estimated
0: 3.5 million unfilled cybersecurity jobs around the globe. Correct. R- right? And Correct. An estimated in 2021, 6 billion dollars in losses because of cybersecurity crime. Correct. That is a cavernous gap on both sides. Unbelievable. Yes, sir wow yes. and so your 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 approach is to begin to fill these gaps with qualified people to help to stave off the losses
1: that people are going to are going to uh, incur due to cybersecurity crime exactly so you know we you know we wanted to create a perpetual and trusted pipeline of cybersecurity talents right and you know our biggest challenge was how are we going to validate these hands-on keyword experience and also get people excited about cybersecurity right so We looked at the market and then thought to ourselves, hey, there's nothing better than operationalizing esports. Let's do this. This is how we're gonna get younger people excited about it. We've already built the algorithm that can validate hands on keyboard experience. Now we have this innovative way that we could go out and do it. So we've created this game and it's called Cyber Wraith. And you guys can think of it as the call of duty for ethical hackers. It's, It's really easy. People play the game and it's really, really intuitive. It's immersive and it's addictive. I can tell you that the first weekend I played it, oh my, my wife was pissed. I I spent the entire (laughs) weekend playing that thing. Right. But it's pretty cool. I mean, you, you, you essentially, you know, think of it as, as you're joining the NSA, but you join this quasi military organization. And then you're, you're met with an AI that kind of walks you through the um, UI of the game. You go through the academy and then you're, you're off to the races, you know, to try to save the world, quote unquote, with mm-hmm. all of these missions. But the cool thing about it is that the challenges and the missions in the game were all created from the uh, most notable hacks and breaches of the last 10 years.
0: Wow. So you've taken real-world hacks and breaches and then applied the scenarios within this game to see how the people, as you keep mentioning, hands on keyboards, how they can
1: go into these situations and see if they can solve or fix it or maybe even prevent? Correct. Correct. So our our biggest thing was you know, really validating the knowledge, skills, and abilities of of these candidates and then, you know, creating that skills gap assessment where we could not only show employers who is the best fit for any particular role, but we can also show educators and trainers. Here are the the gaps that you have in terms of a curriculum versus what we're seeing out there in the market in any geographic location. So what has been, you 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 know, I'm sure you have some
0: metrics to sort of, you know, gauge your level of success so far. What are you seeing with how, you know, cyber wraith, I guess, is one opportunity or one platform to be able to put people on to see how they, what, what are you seeing in terms of results and getting people either A, interested and B, moving to,
1: from being discovered to a potential job? What, what's happening so far? So I'll give you a, a couple of examples. We were very proud to, to to have a milestone last year where we were the first eSports tournament at defcon and and for the folks who don't know, Defcon is the largest hacking conference in the world. but Lewis, what we did was we hosted this tournament for three days there was you know over four hundred registered um, players, and we took the top twenty five and they interviewed you know along with the prizes that we gave them. They interviewed with companies like Google Hulu healthmark you know, and some other large companies. And interestingly enough, there was a 14-year-old girl that placed within the top 25. Wait a and, minute! What? A 14-year-old girl? A 14-year-old girl placed within the top 25 of this cyber hacking game, and you know, employees couldn't wait to talk to them. So, <laughs> or her parents, because yeah. she's she's a minor, <laughs> big time, right? <laughs> so, so that's what that's what that's what we had to do. We had to say, well, hey, look, we." You know, you, I'm sorry, you can't you can't talk to her right now. Right, but, you know, we'll let her parents know that you're in, You know, you're interested in, in having a conversation with her. Right. So that was a huge validation point for us because part of our, our hypothesis was if we use the game and and structured it in esports, we can attract you know younger talent. Right, you know, when when you think about steam and STEM, right, and then we can validate that and we can showcase to employers that you know you can go get really good talent from unconventional places, right. So, with well, that being said, we've done we've done a, a few more tournaments, but what was significant about that was it's it kind of shifted our approach and. In- We took a look at the landscape, everything that happened last year and, you know, doing our part in terms of diversity and inclusion. We're launching the the first um, season of the league. And as you know, it's going to be focused on diversity and inclusion. We're going to be working with the Power Players League and, you know, really focus on HBCUs and underserved areas in order to really elevate um our cybersecurity posture and you know create some great opportunities for our for our folks who are within those groups
0: that sounds so awesome because you know here at map esports network you know from talking with me and with uh, Jacob Miles our founder and CEO that stem and steam are what it's all about across the board Surely for our youth and for for anyone listening who may not be familiar with the terminology we're talking stem science technology engineering and math and then Steam, you add the art part of it into it. And so these are just opportunities to use technology and all the uh, entertain, uh, education you get with that to apply it to some sort of career path. And we're seeing so many opportunities for career paths within the esports world. And this thing that Nigel was talking about is just another unbelievably wide open area. I have to ask you just kind of just a, a step back for a second and maybe just paint a picture just real quick. You mentioned DreamHack okay as being the big a uh, cybersecurity uh, defcon i'm sorry being the big place
1: where a lot of hackers go right what kind of people are showing up at this thing correct <laughs> oh man th- so there there's a really interesting documentary so i invite everybody to check it out but it's it's funny you know often people think about hackers as you know just these loners you know who who's sitting in a basement with a hoodie and you know someone who's just drinking red bull and pizza right, right? Well, that's a very small, you know, segment of that. When you, in terms of the participants, I mean, you have people from all walks of life. I'll tell you this: when we were in, when I was in Maryland, you know, we we did the Cyber Maryland Conference, which is another large cybersecurity conference. But you know, the keynote speaker from the NSA was that year was also the keynote speaker at DEFCON. So you're going to find oh, wow. all walks of life. And interestingly enough, a lot of a lot of nation states have very well funded hacking teams and you know some of them they they go to work in you know suits or or you know just very well funded teams and they do a 9 to 5 and you know you would know that they are hackers so you see all walks mm-hmm. of life within a very diverse crowd and that's one of the the great things about the industry that I like
0: wow so you're taking the 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 intelligence the understanding, maybe the wiring of the brain with training and then the ability to use maybe a keyboard as you talked about and, and, and maybe through gaming to use that talent for good to help a nation state or a company like Google or Hulu to protect themselves from outside cyber hacking, as opposed to that person, as you mentioned, like being in the basement, drinking Red Bull and pizza, and of course, no disrespect to those, those great brands, of course, and doing something negative. So that's really awesome to be turning that around. You mentioned how are you going to uh, really exp- expose and expan- expand this with use, and, and I'm just curious about the intentional focus with them. You talked about cyber raids. You talked about being a part of, of our league. We're so excited about that, the Power Players League, PPL, and of course, if you want to get information about about that, go to ppl.gg. But how are you going to be helping the youth at an earlier age? And, and we really love that, especially getting into the challenged communities and, and, and disadvantaged communities, and of course, communities of color to be able to get an opportunity to see those any community, really, of young people.
1: Right. So we've had folks all the way from nine years old, as early as nine years old, all the way up to in their forties who have been doing cybersecurity, play the game. Right. Wow. And the good thing about it is that no matter what stage in your career, right, you're going to find some type of, you know, there's over a hundred missions and then there's, you know, other like real world missions that you can play here. You're going to find some type of challenge and some, some form of learning. So particularly for the younger crowd, you know, I, I, I I mentioned that, you know, part of our mandate and our goals here was to create a trusted pipeline of cybersecurity talent, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, other nations are starting their younger folks really, really early, right? And they're creating this, you know, technological advancement. And that's what we have to do. And another thing, though, focusing in underserved communities, the the second thing, uh, two out of three here, is that the art of the possible, you know, here it is, you know, you don't have to be at 16, you know, if you've been, you know, practicing cybersecurity or, or really, you know, immersed in that type of training at 16 or 17, you know, who's to say that instead of flipping burgers, where there's nothing wrong with that, you're now protecting the systems, you know, the payment systems of McDonald's instead of actually flipping burgers. Right. So the, the art of the possible and, and really, you know, giving those folks the opportunity, and then bringing diversity into you know our ecosystem, and and the last thing I'll say is that our platform essentially we can validate those those knowledge skills and abilities, and then match it up to any curriculum, right? Mm. So within that, what we've done as well, and as you know, you know there esports there there are a lot of jobs within esports itself, right? So if you think about this, there's million unfilled technical cybersecurity jobs. There's probably about 6 million outside of that, which are non-technical roles, right? So the way we've structured the league, not we're not just empowering the students who want to be hackers or who want to be cybersecurity professionals. We're also having the rest of the ecosystem participate and be mentors. So that'll be, each team will comprise of two technical people which is actual you know quote unquote hackers within the game mm-hmm. then we have sh- on the team we'll have two shoutcasters we'll have one one person responsible for social media marketing another person responsible for production with an emphasis on technical reporting so all of those roles can be translated into either esports or directly into the cybersecurity arena so that's how we believe that you know we can invest in that younger generation the younger crowd really to kind of build up our cybersecurity posture for our nation right and then at the same time still offering that opportunity and pipeline
0: for our veterans which is what we talked about at the very beginning the veterans oh, to have a place to come and, and 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 maybe be found i think one of the things you said in there that is really the ultimate catch-22 is that if you have been in the military and you've been given a secret or top secret clearance and you come out and you're trying to get a job and people ask you what you did, you can't say what you did, right? So you're giving them a chance to be able to segue into a potential job without compromising the oath or the responsibility they have to information that they've, they've been given or are privy to as as a, as a veteran.
1: Absolutely. So a lot of people don't realize that cybersecurity And, you know, it's an evolving world, right? Evolving threats. And we may use computers and we may use all these tools, but there are people behind those computers and all these tools, right? And there is a psychology behind the warfare, right? Cyber warfare. So what you'll find is that a lot of, you know, institutions like, you know, financial institutions, banks, and even hospitals, you know, the same skills that you know, the rest of, of the other industries that find to be um, very beneficial with military members, that's what they like. You know, you know, we already think with this offensive mindset, this warrior-like uh, mindset. And then, you know, you know, the, the, the hard work, the ethics, you know, the, the taking control of the team, you know, being able to, to know when to lead and know when to follow, you know, understanding the team again one team one fight you know we're all in this together so you know we've created that a platform where they don't have to say what they did when they worked for you know some three letter agency or when they were in the military because we've embedded all of the military cybersecurity training requirements and the cybersecurity career evolution into our algorithm and we can validate You know, not only what they can do, but also match it by their military MOS, which is essentially their their alphanumeric job code. Wow, that that is so incredible, and
0: I think that is so promising for veterans who are have been in in parts of the military that come out and and, and are looking for for ways to be able to get back into the workforce. I think it's just incredible.
1: Did you talk about the uh, the game you you developed, Cyber Warrior? Have you talked about that, Cyber Wraith? Yes, Cyber Wraith. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So yeah, we we touched on it, and it, you know, like I said, it's the Call of Duty for ethical hackers. But right. I want to want to touch on um, Lewis is that on the flip side, a lot of military members they don't know what they um, could do on the outside. You know, some of them, you know, if you're working in a highly specialized area, they think, well, hey, you know what? I'm doing this offensive stuff, you know, in the military. You know, I can't even do that when I get out. And, you know, just by their job code in the military, we show them the art of the possible as well, right? And, you know, if you are interested in, you know, joining Cyber Warrior Network or becoming a cyber warrior yourself, here's a career path. Right. Because it's really daunting. There, there's still a, you know, a, an argument in, in the in the you know, in the industry where people will say, you know, well, there's no such thing as cybersecurity It's really information security. And, you know, so, you know, we'll let them argue about that. But we know that there are specific career paths that, you know, individuals can take in order to, you know, to get into cybersecurity. Right. One thing is for sure, Nigel,
0: there is n- not going to be enough time for us here because we could talk for hours about all this. this. is very incredible. So many different, I guess you could say avenues to this discussion. But what I'm excited about and our entire team is excited about is that soon you're going to be joining our podcast team with your own show. So there'll be another tremendous platform for you okay. to continue to talk about it and bring people in. So give us a sense of what your focus will be, your topics. What's your mission of your podcast coming
1: soon on the MAP Esports Network? So our, our mission is simple, you know, we're, we're here to kind of demystify cybersecurity, you know, get people excited about cybersecurity and, you know, creating a pathway um, for people in cybersecurity and really creating this perpetual pipeline. 3.5 million unfilled cybersecurity jobs. This affects all of our lives. We have to do something about it, right? Yeah. And, you know, the team at Cyber Warrior Network, we, are oh my God, we are so so excited to be part of the network. And, you know, I really, really, just want to say shout out to Jacob and to you and everybody else who have in this short time have been mentors to me, mm. right? So, you know, you know, when we spoke, I don't know what I don't know. Right. You know, and so I am very excited about it personally. And, um, you know, we're going to bring some really good content, you know, not only from a cybersecurity perspective, but also, you know, really uplifting the, the ecosystem for esports, Right. And, you know, you know, cybersecurity is, you know, I'll, I'll give a little bit away here, but cybersecurity is our, you know, only one of our verticals that we're going to market with but there's so many ways that we can operationalize esports in the years to come so um very excited to be here
0: Man, it's going to be great. And I'm thinking about the uh, locations we'll have for kids to come in and game and learn about STEM and STEAM. And just imagine them having the o- opportunity to play Cyber Wraith. And then you you never know through some of our mappy sports uh, locations, which will be uh, announced uh, sometime soon for us potentially to identify some early talent and and lead them in the right uh, way in terms of their education formally, and then on to into the industry, if it works, that'll be great. Uh, the other thing I'm thinking about, man, is when, when COVID is done and we get everything cleared up and we've all been vaccinated and we're good somehow. And, you know, I love to travel. Right. I, I'm ready to get on a plane at any point. Oh, yeah. Somehow oh, yeah. you and I have to end up down on Dominica. Oh, man, let's do it. And go I, I, I want to see it. And then go over to Guadalupe and yep. get some uh, chicken colombo and, and have some rice and peas and plant. plant I would say plantains or plantains. Plantain, yep. Yeah. And, and, and we'll have some punch cocoa, too. So we'll do that I'll tell well. you when,
1: when we have to go, Louis. Uh, Where's that? It's it's during November, uh, late October during November. That's right when it's leading up to the island's independence celebrations, Mm -hmm. and they have what's called the World Creole Festival. Oh my gosh, I'm there. I'm there. We have to go. So it's like the second carnival for the year. It's all of our you know stuff from heritage uh, on the heritage side, right? Mm -hmm. And then you have world-renowned artists come down there, and it's a non-stop kind of concert for about three days. So that's when we have to go. All right. And, 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 and just for you, my friend, luckily you, you won't have to, um, you know, scramble to, to book a room like eight months in advance because you, you stay at my house. Oh, (laughs) that's what I'm talking about. (laughs) So, So, you know, you don't have to worry about that because I'll tell you what, man, a lot of people like you have know, people come from Europe, from from Britain, and you know they go through Guadeloupe, right? Yeah. We, ha- we don't have an interna- international airport, so the the biggest, the largest airports are, is actually in Guadeloupe and Martinique, which is the two French French islands, and right. Everything is sold out. You can't even get a rental car, man, or a room. So, yeah, that's when we got to go out there. All right. So, so if I'm if I'm here, I can fly uh,
0: down to Guadeloupe, whatever. in Paris, Air France flies every day. Yep. Non-stop, yep. maybe not right now, but that's how we went there, Paris straight to pointe Pique. And then I've got a place to stay and I've got, and, and I'm going to tell you something. When you travel, listen to me, people. This is a travel tip from a, from a veteran. When you travel, you will never learn a culture by sitting in your hotel room Okay. You got to get out, Um, meet people. And that was the beauty, Nigel, of my track and field experience. And then of course, in television, getting away from the hotel, meeting people and and going out and surveying and, and enjoying the restaurants, the clubs, the, you know, the food and just, you know, if you get comfortable enough to go to someone's home. I mean, that's how you learn the culture. And I love that stuff. So we are in i'm assuming that because of covid do you think it's going to happen the world caribbean a deal uh, this november so or do you think I, it'll be next I
1: doubt, year? I doubt i doubt that it'll happen this year you know yeah. this takes a year of planning you know it's such a huge huge event for our tiny island so probably not this year, but you know, we'll, we'll definitely get some some freaking flyer miles on the books and we'll go down there, man. <laughs> that sounds
0: good. That sounds good. I can't <laughs> wait. And we can't wait to see all the things that you're doing within uh, Cyber Warrior Network and of course, all the different efforts that you're having. So we're excited for you, man. And we're just so happy to have you as a part of our team and we'll be uh, lifting you up and supporting you and everything. And of course, ultimately building a great business and of course, serving our communities and giving them the access and opportunities that they will need in the world of technology and cybersecurity. So Nigel, thank you so much for your service
1: man and we just wish you continued success louis thank you so much for having us we appreciate it and looking forward to working with you as well thank you sounds great sounds great boy i'd tell you
0: there's so much happening here i can't wait to hear his new podcast of course building a trusted pipeline of cybersecurity experts and working on the art of the possible now how can you have a problem with that so thanks so much to nigel leblanc president and i'm sorry founder and ceo of cyber warriors network Our veterans uh, folks, they deserve to be remembered and respected and served for a lifetime. That's what I talked about when I spoke about my father at the beginning. And Nigel is is one of those who will be part of the solution for many veterans and for many years to come. Helping them find those, uh, those jobs the unfilled jobs in the world of cybersecurity. So this wraps up another edition of All In With Esports. I'm super excited about what we discussed. I hope you enjoyed it as well. Come on, give me some comments. Let us know how we're doing here. Esportsfuturide.com, Esports Map on Twitter, and then on Facebook. Always a big shout out to Aaron Sia and AJ at Innovation Media Enterprises. They handle all the stuff behind the scenes that make us possible. Thanks for you guys for everything you do there. And don't forget to listen to all of our other outstanding podcasts. We are just building. Nigel's coming on soon. But for the moment, it's uh, The Future of Marketing and Esports with Rebecca Langawa, John Davidson, and the DLC Drop Podcast. Both of these guys are just so great. Dr. Mark's Masterclass. And believe me, Dr. Mark Williams will teach you a masterclass every time he's on about something as it relates to esports, HBCUs. He's just all over all of that. And then our latest edition, the Esports Easing Podcast hosted by our Esports Future Eye Ed- Editor-in-Chief, Miss Chantelle Boucher. We've got another one coming on with Harley, our 17-year-old esports biz phenom out of Germany. She's going to be amazing. And of course, Nigel joining us soon. All of us will be right here talking esports all the time. And if you want one link to see everything, it's esportsfpn.com. So much more of that and original programming to come across the network. And so for now, thanks so much for being with us. Hope you've been inspired. And let's talk again soon. On All In With Esports. Take care, everybody. Hey, thanks so much for listening to All In With Esports. Now, don't forget to subscribe to your favorite podcast channel, and we would love to hear from you about this or any other shows on the Esports Future Eye Network.